Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of the Link Platform. And the Link Platform is a platform dedicated to international students' well-being. And the podcast is dedicated to telling the stories of international students. And we don't only interview international students, but we also get the opportunity to interview people who work with international students. And today we are blessed to have with us Francina Departa. I hope I have mentioned that very well. And she is the national Director of the International Student Ministry Department of IFES Netherlands, and she's also the International Student Ministry Coordinator for the regional team of IFES Europe. And the interesting thing is she also has her own coaching and counseling practice. And today we will know more about her, what she does with internationals, and I hope that you enjoy our conversation. Don't forget to follow us on our social media pages. On Instagram, it is the link platform. On Facebook, is the link platform. You can also send us an email on the link platform at gmail.com. So stay tuned to a wonderful conversation. Hello, Francina. Hello. Thank you for agreeing to be on the platform today. Yes, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to spend time with you. Okay. How has your week been or how has the new year started for you? Yes, I think like many of us, we're currently in a lockdown. And um, yeah, so numbers of cases were rising. And so the government put some really strict rules now. Um, so we are currently facing lots of restrictions. But thankfully also, um, yeah, especially by modern media, it's still possible to uh, continue a lot of our work so that's why we are really grateful for yeah we are grateful and hopefully we'll be able to pass through this phase absolutely yes okay so please just tell us a bit about yourself and then we would go on to what you do yes so my name is francina de pater you pronounce it correctly oh, thank you and um, so i'm dutch i was born and raised in the netherlands uh, on a small island um, I went to university in uh, another part of the country, um, first to the agricultural university, and I was specializing in animal health and disease. Later, I did, uh, after doing some research and work for different institutes, I decided to pursue a PhD uh, from the University of Amsterdam in the field of immunology, so in medical research. Um, at that time, I felt that God was calling me uh, more into ministry. I was doing that first as a volunteer um, and working for uh, an organization which is called The Haven in Dutch, which is the harbor in English. And this organization was reaching out to people involved in prostitution. And I was attracted to it because I have been an international student myself during my okay. study. Yeah, during my studies at the Agricole University, and now we're talking about a long time ago, in the, in the 90s. Um, but then it was already quite usual for our university to have exchange programs with uh, other universities in the world. And so I was going to study for a while in Costa Rica, though very far away from home. And um, yeah, and this was a great experience for me that uh, yeah, also uh, had lots of influence on the rest of my life. 
And for example, I learned a complete new language for me, Spanish, which okay. was uh, quite hard at the start, but very <laughs> useful to learn. Um, and, and also it helped me to, to go into ministry because I heard a lady uh, sharing that she was reaching out to people in prostitution, mainly women from Latin America. And they were looking for people who could speak Spanish. And that's actually how I started to, to help them um, because I could speak with them. Okay. And also because as an international student in Costa Rica, I was really amazed by the hospitality that I received while mm. I was there. I lived with a Costa Rican family who treated me like their daughter. I went to uh, a Costa Rican church and I was really taken in from the first moment. And that was the time that I really could not speak Spanish really well, but mm -hmm. uh, that didn't matter. They just took me in as one of them and I, I could just participate in whatever. And um, yeah, so that was really helpful. This amazing experience also at the university of people welcoming me, uh, caring for me, helping me with the language and whatever uh, difficulties I encountered. That was so very valuable. And so my heart broke to hear that there were many women from Latin America that were going through a very hard time in my own country. Yeah. There were many uh, victims of human trafficking there. And, um, and, and because they could only speak Spanish, they were kind of mm. trapped because where could they go to? Um, yeah, so it was really a very, um, yeah, I found it really amazing opportunity to, to go there and reach out to them and help them. And also reading the Bible with them because many of them uh, would come from a Roman Catholic background and would really value your prayers, your prayers for them and with them and, and reading scripture uh, with you. And so that was really an amazing time. And this was actually how I started to be involved in ministry, first as a volunteer and later okay. I started to work there as a manager of the project. Okay. So did your experience as an international student um um, did it have influence on your decision to work with internationals? Yes, absolutely, because I felt so much welcomed. And when I looked in my own society, I saw that, um, especially here in Western Europe, people are so much um, individualized and yeah. uh, people live on their own. They have Everybody has their agenda and they plan things. And, and also, like, they have their own circle of family and friends. Yeah. And very difficult uh, for a, an outsider, so to say, to, to get into that circle. And people are not unfriendly. No, they're really friendly normally, I would say, to, to foreigners. But to really, um, yeah, access their homes and their heart, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a different thing. And, and I think that what I learned in Latin America, I, I found that that was also very biblical because God is a God yes. of the nations and God is a God of hospitality. And there are so many yeah. verses in the Bible that really call us to be hospitable. Um, yeah. And I thought, oh, here is something that in Western Europe we can learn from other cultures like in Latin America. Um, so, and yeah. that also became, um, yeah, I, I just would like to continue that, what I've learned, also to, to live that out here in my own country. And so I think that also led to me being quite involved with people in prostitution, uh, trafficking, but also the, the refugees that were coming to our countries. And now also the international students, because that's what I'm working in most now in, the, in that area. Okay. 
Oh, that's very interesting. Um, it's very true. I mean, I'm from Ghana and um, I can say Ghanaians and Africans are very open like and friendly and, and have that, you know, the hospitality is to another extreme comparing it to what we experience here in Europe. So it it's really an amazing thing that you are doing in the Netherlands, reaching out to international students. So so can you enlighten us more about the ministry and some of the things that you do with internationals? Yes, of course. Um, and, and one thing I forgot to say, um, sure. and while I was doing this ministry, I felt that, yeah, I was reaching out to people in a pastoral sense. Uh, yeah. And of course, I've been growing up like as a Christian, so I have okay. quite some background. But I felt that I was also lacking uh, background in, in how to have these conversations. So, And then the board of that organization re- really stimulated me to pick up new studies. So that's why, because you mentioned my coaching and counseling business. Yes. So that's how I... Uh, went to um, yeah to, to study uh, more in coaching and counseling, first in a secular uh, environment and later then also in a uh, Christian um, education, uh, and so that was also really helpful. Uh, and that I'm still also using now in my ministry uh, to international students. So yeah, okay. just before you answer yeah. that question, mm-hmm. so if you're and counseling is it um limited to um christians or is it limited towards ministry how to um coach or counsel people with the from the christian perspective or is just a general coaching and counseling yeah so i started off to do a general coaching and counseling and uh, so in my practice everybody's welcome it doesn't matter whatever background is welcome but what I missed, again, in, in very secularized uh, Western Europe, um, I think we lack the dimension of spirituality also even in our education. So that I was really wondering, like, okay, I love these principles and I believe in them and I really studied them and I think they're really helpful. Um, but I was looking for how does this connect to our faith and to uh, the spiritual dimension of our lives. And and that's why I started to do also the pastoral counseling. But okay. so, yeah, I have clients uh, from different backgrounds. Uh, so this is, uh, yeah, this is, of course, possible. And, of course, I will always respect um, the person uh, in front of me. Um, But, yeah, I just do believe that um, knowing more about the different dimensions of life, that really helps to solve things. Um, Yeah, so. Okay, thank you. So now we can um, talk more about the International Students Ministry. Yes. Yes. So in 2012, I saw this opportunity that they were looking for a national director for international student ministry in IFES Netherlands. And so IFES stands for International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. And it's a worldwide organization, but it's called differently in different countries. For example, in France, it's called JBU. And uh, so it can, and in Germany, it's called SMV. Uh, and in the Netherlands, it's called IFES Netherlands. Um, and I was already involved as a student um, at my university. I Actually, I, I really came to faith in one of those groups because I was raised as a Christian, but I still had many, many questions. Yeah. And, um, and this group really helped me to study the Bible together with other students to really um, yeah, ask my questions and to really pray with each other. And uh, so this 
has been really important in uh, in my life. And so when I saw that this organization was looking for someone uh, that could help um, yeah, their ministry towards international students, I saw some things coming together. Um, like also my experience, like I shared as an international student myself, and knowing that also so many international students and more and more are coming to the Netherlands and other countries in Europe, I thought, okay, maybe this would be a next thing uh, that God is leading me to do. And uh, yeah, we went also uh, to have conversations and prayer. And finally, we, um, yeah, they decided that they wanted to ask me to come and lead this uh, ministry. And so I started in 2012. And so what we do is we have in actually all the big cities in the Netherlands, we have groups for international students. Okay. They're very open groups. So everybody's welcome, doesn't matter what backgrounds, and they want to provide a home away from home. So there's it's a lot about community um, and also like social activities, um, just to just a place where people can come to and uh, ask their questions and feel at home and, and, and feel fine with other comp- good company. Uh, also, of course, there are quite some Christian students and, and they love to study the Bible. So actually every in every group, we see that um, there's also Bible studies going on um, and also other activities like that can be like interesting discussions or lectures or practical like helping in the community or like, yeah, there are many different ways that uh, the students can be active. Um, and it also depends a bit from, it differs from city to city a little bit, but actually in every city we have those groups. And also at the national level, we have um, like a trainee program. So international mm-hmm. students that want to help in the ministry and want to be trained and also and how to deal with different cultures, for example, or how to explain the gospel in different ways, um, how to share your testimony, or, or even simply getting to know yourself better and do some uh, like strength finders or other methods, like and also to help people how to work together in multicultural teams, um, things like that, so people can be trained. We normally would have also a retreat that people can come together in a beautiful environment and, and just, uh, yeah, study the Bible together, um, but have some interesting seminars and workshops, but also lots of fun. But of course, as you can imagine, uh, because of COVID, this is yeah. not really possible at the moment. But we did do something else uh, last in the Christmas uh, holiday. We did a national outreach and we reached out to international students with uh, care packages, goodie bags, okay. with uh, um, just fun things like uh, a little candlelight, a chocolate, uh, like uh, something to make hot chocolate, uh, but also a flyer to uh, our Christmas event that we uh, offered on Christmas Eve. And that was really successful. Many people came, uh, also many new people that we hadn't met before, new students. And we just put a really nice program together about uh, the theme was hope in dark times. We had some conservatory students playing beautiful music and we had some interesting like talks and, and also time in breakout groups that people could get to know each other and share with each other and sing with each other. So it was a really joyful. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So we tried to make the best of this time, um, but it's not always easy now yeah. over to 
to get to know the students and to get in contact with the students because everybody is studying online. Yeah. Uh, the whole university, every university is now offering only their classes uh, online. So everybody's in their room behind their computers. And of course, we also use social media. This is also a way how to reach out to students. But, uh, but this is some of the, the struggles and um, the challenges of this time. Yeah. yeah. So um, do you have partnerships with universities to be able to get um, into contact with internationals or is just using social media to get to know internationals? No, yeah, thank you for raising this because this is a very important question. No, thankfully, we do have good relationships with some universities at least. Okay. Uh, but it really depends from university to university. Some universities are really open and they're very happy to work together with us and they help us also. We can be part of their introduction market and a uh, way of uh, how to connect to the new students, for example. Um, even sometimes they let us use their social media channel, uh, channels, how they okay. contact the students. And uh, so that works, of course, really nicely because then they also know, okay, this, the university trusts them, so they must be good people. Um, uh, but in other places, uh, universities are a bit afraid to do uh, something with uh, religious backgrounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is also, again, I think in a secularized West, uh, that people think everything should be neutral, which is also a worldview in itself. Everybody has a worldview, of course. Uh, but yeah. some are really, like, afraid of um, Christians maybe pushing the gospel or whatever. I don't know what it is exactly. And they say, no, we only want to promote neutral things. Um, but, you know, this is also excluding a lot of students because what the university does is that they normally have, like, nights for students but it's always with a lot of alcohol involved, for example. And there are many students like Muslim students or Asian students, and they don't like these kind of activities. So yeah. this is, yeah, I think everybody has a worldview. <laughs> it's just good to try to reach out to, as, to include as many people as possible. Um, yeah, so, but we do try to work on the relationship with uh, universities, of course, as much as we can. And I have to say, it's always also very uh, personal. So it's just who is the person that you encounter? And, uh, and sometimes the persons are really open uh, to cooperation and other time persons are not so open and they don't let you work together with them. But then it's always nice to try it like after six months or, or a year because maybe there's another person and maybe that person is much more open again. So it's really good to try to establish good relationships, of course. Um, yeah, and also try to explain like how we work. Like we are open to anyone and we will never kind of push the gospel. We would like to have meaningful conversations about our worldview and uh, and if people want to study the gospel we're very welcome to do that together with them but of course we will never ever like push people to, to that they have to believe like what we believe or whatever so but this is also something that in a personal conversation sometimes it really works to explain it like how we see this and then hopefully we can build trust and uh, and start working together no. Yes, um, I, I personally think it's something that um, institutions should really be looking at because as you 
promote other groups. I'm sure there are like writers club. There is um, something for medical students. There's something for um, agricultural students. There should be something for that covers religion. I'm sure Muslims have something that they can go to. So it's it's the case of it being neutral for me. I don't. I, I find it difficult to understand because, as you rightly said, you don't force people. It's just the uni providing a place for people who want to know more about Christianity. I have a friend who is interested about Christianity and she really wants to know. So she attends Christian events. She's not yet saved, but she still wants to know about it. So it's very important that um, institutions are open to different religious um, groups that may come in. Of course, they have to be selective in, in, in the ones that they work with, but it's something that they should really consider. Um with saying this, I want to find out, do you have other partnerships aside universities coming on board? Are there other partnerships that um, you have that you work with? Yes. So there are other uh, student organizations uh, doing also student ministry, like Navigators, like Agape Crew. Um, so these are, yeah, also these are interested in reaching out to students and we work together with them. Okay. Um, also, we work together a lot with churches. Um, so yeah. with local churches, national churches, both Dutch and international churches. And I think it's really nice for people in churches to be involved because like I shared, I was really welcomed in Costa Rica and I could have like dinner whenever, wherever I would like. <laughs> and people would really offer me even place to sleep and, uh, and they would just, the welcome would, would be really um, yeah, very extensive. Um, but then again, so people in the Netherlands can also offer that at least a meal, for example, uh, to international yeah. students. That will mean so much because when I went to Costa Rica, I, I really wanted to know, like, who are these people? What do they believe? How are they? What is their culture? And it's so much fun to know. Um, but, yeah, most international students will leave Western Europe without ever being able to enter a, a, a really a native uh, person's home, um, yeah, so to say. So I think this is something that we encourage local churches to um, to really open up their homes so people and just invite international students for a meal and they can just uh, yeah have good conversations and uh, i think this is a great way also to involve them and there are many other ways as well that, that they can help out very practically or yeah just uh, or even as a volunteer in our projects um yeah so that's what we really try to build in every city um relationships with the, the local and international churches yeah, I'm sharing about um, how members of churches can even invite internationals to have like an experience of where they are. And I just remember my home fellowship. So I joined a home fellowship in one of the churches when I was um, in school in the UK. And I was invited for, um, they usually have the Sunday roast. So I was invited for one of it. And the meal I had was so delicious. I mean, it was a typical Sunday meal um, that people usually do in the UK. And so later on, I texted the lady. So she's the leader for the home fellowship. I texted her for the recipe. <laughs> mm. 
you know, and it was just nice to like know more about like you know the food and to have that experience to the extent that I I kept remembering it and I texted it and I said, look, I really want to do this for my family. So could you please send me the yes. recipe? And she yeah. did. Yes, and this is so nice. You know, this is also like yeah. experiencing a country. It's not people don't only come for for the studies. Uh, they also want exactly. to explore uh, Europe, explore the countries and get to know the people. And, and that's not always easy because I've spoken to students that were on their way out uh, after their studies. And when I asked them, like, as one, I was on a plane with a, a student from Turkey and she studied for quite some years in the Netherlands and she was heading home. And I asked her like, hey, and how about the Dutch students that you kind of, what did you think of them? And then she said, I think they're nice. I said, can you explain that a bit more? And then she said, yeah, because they're always smiling and they look very friendly. She said, but actually I've never spoken to them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because they're only in their own circles speaking. Yeah. And, I, yeah, she, and I said, what did you do then? And she said, yeah, I just hanged out with, uh, with some Turkish students. Um, and, and that's it. And so she had never, ever even spoken to a Dutch person after several years of study in the Netherlands and let alone uh, even visited a home in the, in the Netherlands. That, so, that, yeah, so this is um, what I think is, is sad because then you, you miss out, um, yes, some great experiences when you yeah. really meet local people, visit their homes, eat the local food, like you said. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think these are some really extras that make uh, the time much more interesting. Okay, I mean, sharing with this experience, I want to find out what do you think some internationals can do? Because in order to also have an experience of where you are, I think it's a two-way affair. You also need to do certain things. So what yeah. are some of the things you would advise or share with internationals to do to be able to explore and enjoy the places that they are in? Yeah, so that could be several things. I think it's also something cultural because, okay. for example, in Dutch culture, it's very normal um, that you can just step forward and start to speak to someone, whereas in many other cultures that feels a bit uncomfortable and people wait until they are invited in uh, the conversation, for example. Uh, so this is also something that can hamper the connection because if uh, a student is waiting till they are invited and the Dutch a student thinks like, okay, but maybe she doesn't want to um, participate, yeah. then nothing happens, you know? So just, I would like to say, just be bold and just okay. try and, and try to connect and just start with a smile and a small uh, conversation and see where things are going. Um, of course, people could also visit like local churches and hopefully people would be open to, to connect with them there or like do other like local things like sport activities okay. or, um, or yeah, maybe there are some guided tours in the city also not now with the COVID, but maybe later again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, or, or find those local international student ministry groups like IFES or others. And I, I'm sure that people would be really open to, to welcome them. Another thing uh, I have also nice experiences with is uh, the couch surfing. Um, I don't know if you know that. It's a couchsurfing.com is a platform where you can even like 
go and request hospitality. And those people who are signed up there, they they value hospitality. So this is also That's a nice way. Yeah, so to travel to somewhere uh, and then you can read reviews about the person so you can check if people have already stayed there and how the experience was. And of course, you can first connect and see how, how the communication is. But yeah, so we have received as a family already many people from all over the world, uh, also students among them, yeah. uh, who came to our homes and then they stay with us and they have meals. And I take them out for a tour, a biking tour, for example, around the lakes, beautiful lakes here. Uh, and this is also a way maybe to experience and, and get to know some uh, more local people. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, these are a few ideas oh that's interesting yeah. thank you um so you've been working with internationals for a while what are some of the problems that you face working with internationals yeah so the main problem is actually um how to get in touch with them uh, yeah so of course we we do get in touch with uh with students but it can always be better because we still reach uh, only um, a percentage of all the students that are there. So this is something that we are still working on how to increase um, yeah, our success rate, so to say, in that. Um, so how to best use the social media platforms. Um, now, again, how to um, yeah, build strong relationships with universities um, yeah, how to put also nice and interesting activities. And what we've learned, for example, is that we need to have a diverse uh, program because the students are so very different. Um, and some are interested more in the social and, uh, and they will come for a game night or something fun. Um, but others are really ambitious and they're really there to study hard and they don't have time for games. Um, and so, but when you put something up that is kind of intellectually interesting uh, or academically uh, challenging, um, for example, yeah, asking a professor to share about an interesting uh, to topic uh, or to put up um, like a, a course uh, on time management or how to deal with stress and how to prevent burnout. And then you see like a whole different population of students coming to those event, events. So th I think this is also a nice challenge to really think through. Um, so what, yeah, so what type of students do we have in this city and what are they interested in? You could do, even do a small questionnaire or something to find out um, and then try to, to make a program that is really nice uh, and suited for them. And most importantly, ask them and try to involve them and help them also to, to be active and do things and lead things. I think this is also one of our roles, not to put everything together for them, but to really uh, work with them. And that's why we also train them and help them uh, grow in this. Um, yeah. So I think this is uh, one of the do, do most things. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. No. Okay, I was, I was just asking that, do you find that being an international student in the 90s, so in your time and now, do you think a lot has changed? <laughs> Absolutely. When, <laughs> when I was there, um, there was no in, hardly any internet, yeah. <laughs> uh, hardly any communication po possibility or only the phone, which was really expensive and we only had landlines at that time. Um, so... Also, a person could not be at home when you would call them. Um, yeah, so, for example, 
I had a boyfriend who is now my husband and we wrote letters to each other, which took like one week and a half to get there. And then another week and a half <laughs> to get the answer. So it would be three weeks in between uh, before you would hear from each other. So, yeah, so I can say that lots, a lot, a lot of things have, uh, have changed. And thankfully, the communication is so much uh, more easy now. Uh, and this is uh, also a huge blessing, I think, for international students to keep contact with their families and yeah. friends. Um, yeah, so this is one of the, the things. On the other hand, I think this is also one of the challenges that everyone is so much involved, um, like, yeah, in, with the social media um, that. I think without that, there would be also maybe more time for spontaneous meetups. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's my experience that um, maybe now it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a different time uh, for sure. Uh, but I think we human beings are still the same uh, in that we are looking for a company um, and we need, um, yeah, good friends and and also yeah being having this specific needs uh, i think that those are still the same but the way that we deal with them is very different yeah yeah oh i asked this question because of um when you were sharing that you know some people uh you know they've come in they would only maybe come to a program that is intellectually you know projected yeah. or planned like that way and some people also come for the social life so I was wondering if you know um, in the 90s it was more of that or oh, maybe yeah. more of yeah that free don't explore the city explore what's there you know and then you just mentioned about time you know social media too has taken quite a bit of time too so yeah sometimes you're just yeah. going to your social media and then your school and then you know becomes yeah. a cycle <laughs> Yeah, true. And it also depends on the background and, and the pressures are there, but are also different. For yeah. example, I uh, was asked by a university to give a workshop about burnout and stress. And there were many Asian students. And um, I was so amazed when I was sharing about how important sleep is and to have enough sleep. And then uh, one Indian student raised his hand and he said... Um, I have a question because he said, when I sleep more than four hours a night, I feel guilty. Um, I said, guilty. Can you <laughs> explain that a bit more? He said, yeah, I feel guilty because I feel that I'm not ambitious enough and I'm not doing enough for my career. And so I was really <laughs> like shocked inside. Mm. Like, okay. So then I said, but then how do you feel after four hours of sleep? Because there are some people who can do with that. Okay. Uh, short amount of sleep but not many only very few and then he said no no I feel actually very tired uh, I said okay that sounds quite normal uh, <laughs> so I said okay so yeah normal people need like seven to eight hours of sleep how do you feel when you have that amount of hours and then he said yeah yeah I feel much better uh, so but then so we were talking also about self-care and how to prevent the burnout and and really how to take care of yourself but then you know so he him coming from this very different background where the pressures are so high um, yeah and also sometimes parents sacrificing um, for their children to study abroad and like the expectations are are, are really high and, and, and so they have to work really hard to succeed. But 
sometimes even at the cost of, of their own uh, bodies and, and, and sleep and, and everything. So, um, yeah, so, so this is the interesting uh, part that students are so different and have such different backgrounds. And, um, but, it, yeah, it's really interesting to see how we can engage with them at, and in those different uh, yeah, areas of life. Yeah. So, I mean, just talking about self-care um, and knowing that you have a background in counseling and coaching, what would you share to internationals um, or what can you tell internationals out there about self-care? You know, some tips that, you know, will be good for them, especially during this um, COVID period where everything is online. Yes. So it's really very important always, but especially now, I think, Um so I think one thing that is extremely important to prevent a burnout is to uh, be aware of your body because your body is giving you signs and uh, you only get a burnout if you consistently ignore those signs. And so what are signs that your body gives? For example, a headache or like tension in your neck or, you know, that these can be different things. But so if you learn to live and to listen to your body, then your body will tell you when it's time to rest, when it's time to eat. Um, and, and this is uh, one very practical and very important thing to just listen to your body and, and act and, and, and do what your body is asking you to do, because this is yeah, good for you in the, in the long run. Uh, because when you are really in a burnout, it's uh, it's not a very desirable state. It, it's awful and it's very hard to get out of it. Um, and, and to get over it. So to prevent that, I think it's very important. So this is one thing. And so just, um, yeah, take care of yourself, like eat healthy food, um, take breaks, move as much as you can, even in front of the computer, just switch off your video and just start jumping or whatever. <laughs> if you need to sit the whole day, because sitting is, is really actually quite bad. Yeah. Um, and try to walk as much as possible. Um, this is one of my major counseling advices to everyone suffering from whatever problem. Uh, walk for one hour a day. <laughs> it's really relaxing and also yeah, gives you space kind of to process. And, um, but also, and also to try to live in a mindful way. Just um, yeah, put aside things from the past and the future and, and really live in the moment. And really try to enjoy the little things like a glass of water or a cup of tea, uh, a bit of chocolate or whatever. And really, um, yeah, appreciate it and be thankful for it. I think those are very important things. Um, yeah, I think things like that are some basics. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, these are really very important things that you have mentioned. Listen to your body. Make sure you eat healthy. Take breaks. Um, live in a mindful way, walk if you need to, because it gives you the opportunity to think, you know, and clear your mind and enjoy the little things. And most importantly, be thankful. I mean, you, you've really given us a lot of tips that um, will come in um, very useful at this time. And, and thank you so much for such a wonderful conversation with you. And before we let you go, Tell us something interesting about the Netherlands. I mean, there are people who are going to listen to this podcast and they've never visited the Netherlands, like me. I haven't. So tell <laughs> us something interesting, something that we should look forward to when we come. Yes. Now, for example, I live in this beautiful city. It's called 
Gouda, but some people pronounce it as Gouda, and maybe you recognize it from the cheese um, that you've seen <laughs> chop. So this is really actually, this my city is the cheese city because already from the 12th century on, there has always been a cheese market um, on, in the market square. And it's a beautiful medieval city. So it has beautiful buildings. Our church is really very, very beautiful. It has stained glass windows from 16th century with many stories from the Bible and from national history. And I'm also a voluntary tour guide in my church. So if you come, please contact me and I can, I will. <laughs> I can give you a tour. And also the nature is quite amazing because um, we, we live next to like, um, I think it's even 11 uh, lakes uh, all together. And, and, like, and then you can just walk and bike around them. And like, uh, yeah. And in the summer, of course, you can go for a swim. And in the winter when it it's freezing, uh, sometimes when we are lucky, then you can go for skating on the lakes. Um, so, yeah, wow. so for the nature, it's, uh, it's quite beautiful here. So very welcome, everyone. Oh, thank you so much for all this information. All this, uh, it's, it's been really amazing to have you on the platform. And thank you so much, Fancina de Pata, for your time. And thank you for all the valuable information that you've given us. So listeners, we've come to the end of another interesting conversation. And we have been talking to Francina de Pata. She's the National Director of the International Students Ministry Department of IFES. No, you didn't say IFES. You said IFES. Yeah, you can pronounce it different ways. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Some people say IFES, 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 we say in the Netherlands. Um, yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> doesn't matter. Thank you. And and she's also the International Students Ministry Coordinator for the original team of IFES Europe. And she has her own coaching and counseling practice. You can Google her and read more about her. You can reach out to her. And um, if you are in Netherlands and you want to be part of the ministry, you want to be part of what they do, you want to um, just join them. I think it would be a very, very wonderful opportunity to meet people, to share the word of God, to learn the word of God. And so thank you so much for your time. You have been listening to the link platform and the linked platform is dedicated to international students' well-being. And the podcast gives um, opportunities to students and people who work with internationals to share their stories so that we can be encouraged. And, and so this has been another episode of it. And thank you, Fantina, once again. And it is bye.